I am excited about this message. Uh, this series that we've been doing called Overwhelmed, is, uh, it's been beneficial for me. I hope it's been beneficial uh, for all of you. But we talked in the first week, and I'll give you a recap. I know we have some guests with us this morning, so I'll let you in on a little secret over the last couple of weeks. The first week we talked about when we're overwhelmed, our perspective is paramount. It's of the utmost importance when we're looking at the problem that we face. It's oftentimes that we narrow our focus and all we can see is our lack of love in our relationship, in our marriage, or our issue with disciplining our kids, or our bank account, or whatever it might be. And we just look and we narrow that focus. We think about the boss that won't let up, or we think about whatever it might be, issues with our business and things like that. So we think about that, but perspective is super important, and the perspective that we need comes from God's word. So we've got to be the people of the word. Last week, we talked about something uh, which I guess I could say uh, stress happens. It happens to all of us. Tension is part of life. But when it does, we talked about some things that you need to do when you are stressed out. That is not grab a drink, smoke a cigarette, go do something crazy. It is read the word of God. It is pray that his will would be done, not your own solution. It is confessing our need for God. It is us saying, God, I need you in my life in this moment. And it's also reading the word of God. So you'll find if you've been to church at any point in your life, you'll hear a redundancy to the message that we preach, which is Christ crucified, read the word, have him in your life, pray, be part of a faith family. That's the things that we talk about all the time because they are important. So today I want to talk to you in week three about a missing element in many believers' life when they are in the midst of an overwhelming circumstance. In fact, I would, I would go as far as to say it's not a missing element, but a missing person in our life when we are overwhelmed. When we're overwhelmed, our mind suffers. You get stressed out, your mind goes all kinds of crazy. You think, oh no, now what? What am I gonna do? How am I gonna get over this? What am I gonna do when I have to walk through this? We also have problems or issues when we're stressed. It develops into our relationships as well. Even if you're not stressed out in your marriage, if you're stressed out at work, it happens to make stress in your home life. When we, when we are overwhelmed, we feel like our family suffers. It's possible, and there are many people that talk about it, that your health, your actual physical health suffers when you are overwhelmed. I have a friend uh, older than me, uh, much older than me, who went in to have some tests done, and they said, buddy, you're stressed out. <laughs> you had better slow this down or else something bad is going to happen. And so he had to try to start reorganizing his life. I was talking to a friend recently who's seeking to try to get a better work-life balance 
That's a wise and a healthy decision. Don't get overworked. It's not worth it. (laughs) Somebody say amen because it's not Monday. (laughs) Praise God. It's not worth being overworked. It's definitely not worth being overworked if you're underpaid. Somebody say amen, right? So we, we as believers, though, when we're facing overwhelming circumstances, we need to understand that these things in our life, these components or, or areas of our life, they suffer greatly. It isn't God's plan for you to be overwhelmed. If you don't hear anything I say today, I want you to hear the words that I believe with all of my heart from the spirit of God to your spirit this morning. God's desire and his will for your life does not include you being overwhelmed. Amen? Amen? This is good for us to know. It's healthy for us to know that we've got a good, good father, that we should be overwhelmed at the thought of how much God has done for us, how much he's accomplished in our life, how much he has planned to do in our life, but it is not okay for us to think and have that wrong uh, theology that God wants us to be overwhelmed. We as believers have a real enemy. We talk about him from time to time, It's important for us to know that there's a real enemy at work in the life of those who are God's children. In scripture, he's known as the devil or the serpent or Satan, the lying, deceitful one. There are all kinds of different names or titles based on his character traits that are given to him. And today, as we talk about the missing person, I need to tell you about the person of the devil, He is not the missing person in your overwhelmed life or circumstance. The Holy Spirit is. I really believe that with all of my heart. For the believer, there are many believers who have not yet tapped into an understanding of the fullness of God, including the person of the Holy Spirit. But it's important that we know we have an enemy. We talked about uh, last week that there being three partners at play, possibly, in any of our overwhelming situations in our life. There are times when we'd like to blame the devil or we'd like to blame God, but we're the one who's at fault. It's because of us that we've gotten ourselves into a jam. That happens. It can be very possible that the thing that you face is of your own making and creating. Is God's grace strong enough to still pull you through? Absolutely. Does the devil and the enemy of God and his kids want to use that situation to make something worse? Absolutely. So we are at play the devil or the enemy is at play. And sometimes God, we read in the, in the story of Paul the apostle, God is in the midst of the circumstance trying to get glory. He wants to draw our attention to the things that we ought to be looking at, which is not the, the lack of money, the lack of love, the lack of career choice, whatever it might be. It's our lack of God. And so he wants us to see him for what he truly is. We remember what Jesus said when he's healing the blind man and the disciples are like, Jesus, somebody must have sinned to cause this guy to be blind. So was it him, his mama, his daddy? What happened? And Jesus says these powerful words, it was for God's glory that he be healed. Amen? Amen. That's the end result. So if you're in Ephesians chapter six, I want us to read just a few verses here. And I'm gonna skip around today a little bit, but I I want you to get something today about the person of the Holy Spirit. Ephesians chapter six, verse 10 says this. Finally, my brothers or my brethren, 
I would save my people or my sisters too. Be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Just stop for just a second. In those two verses is such a powerful passage of scripture for us to understand that if we're to be strong in the Lord, it's really simple, but you've got to be in the Lord. You've got to be focused on God. You've got to have Christ in your life and in your heart, in your mind. This means that we have got to be in the Lord if we're going to be strong in the Lord. It's not my might. It's not my power. It's not anything of my own imagination or my own doing that gets me to him. It's all him. We've got to understand that. There are people in this room that may have been set free or need to be set free from that idea and understanding that it's what you do that makes God happy. That is not true. It's who you are. God calls you his own. Does he expect you and is there a responsibility for you to behave and obey and walk according to his word? Absolutely. But he loves you for you. This is good. We stand in the power of his might. If we had to depend on our own strength, if I had to depend on my own strength, I would still be on my face in the dirt a long time ago. It's not by might nor by power, the Bible says, but by my spirit, says the Lord. So as we're talking about the enemy that we have, it's important that we understand Paul, when he's writing to the Ephesians, you've got to get this picture. He is in chains. He's in prison writing. He has, he has suffered. He's in this place where he has suffered and it's for the cause of Christ. And yet he says, be strong in the Lord, in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Putting on the whole armor of God is a choice. The whole armor of God is listed there. He goes through all of that, and today I can't go through each item, but there are issues of defense and offense. There are weapons we hold. There are things that we also are uh, girded with or protected by. There's the shield of faith. We've got the sword of the Spirit. We've got the Word of God. We've got these things, but it's our choice, and we've got to choose it. Then and only then are you able to stand against the wiles of the devil. You can try to stand against the temptation that you face in your life. You can try to stand against the overwhelming circumstance in your life. You can try to stand against the enemy, but if you're not prepared and ready for war, you're not going to succeed. And none of those things have to do with me. God provides that armor. So we've got to have it on. I know someone from years ago who had a practice and probably still does to this day, had a prayer that he would pray when he would get up in the morning and he would pray through the armor of God and he would say, God, help me today be girded with your salvation, to walk in peace, to be shielded by your spirit. He would, he would have that prayer in his heart. It was so important to him. We ought to be like that as well because I think we're just daydreaming through this life. There are some of us that are just daydreaming and letting life happen to us, and we don't understand. So let's talk about this, the wiles of the devil. You use that word in your everyday language? Wiles? No. Uh -uh. The word there, though, that's translated wiles of the devil, or you could see in some versions the schemes of the devil, that word is methodia. It's a Greek word that means it's a way of searching after something. It's an inquiry, a method, scheming, craftiness 
So we've got to understand that when Paul is telling these people to put on the whole armor of God that you're able to stand, it's not just to be able to stand in a moment of attack. It's the ability to stand regardless of the method of the enemy. That means whatever he's planning and scheming, I can stand against him in the power of God's might Not just in this moment. I don't have strength for just this moment. The Holy Spirit of God has provided me with strength for every moment I will face. All I've got to do is ask. All we have to do as believers is seek out the Holy Spirit and his help. We can stand against the enemy. We can overcome him. God has provided us with the tools that we need. I don't want you to walk out today feeling battered or feeling bruised or feeling beat up because of what I say. I want you to leave here today encouraged. Even if you say it's been a long time since I feel like I've been fully armored. Even if you say there's a really overwhelming circumstance in my life and pastor, you don't have a clue about what I'm facing and what I'm going through in my marriage or whatever. I'm telling you, the Holy Spirit of God is in this room today. He's in the believers in this house today and he wants to encourage and equip us to be able to walk in a life of victory we are to be overcoming not be overwhelmed amen we've got to be conquerors there's a new song that i can't get out of my head there's a line in this worship song and he he declares this and he says my conqueror is not dead it's so true. We've got to get a hold of that understanding in our life. We, if, if, in regard to the whole armor of God, we have got to pick those things up and put them on. It's our job. It's our responsibility. God, mm. <laughs> Let me just tell you, when you're a kid, your mama dresses you. When you get older, you dress yourself. Somebody shout amen. This is what God is saying through Paul. He's saying you better get up and put your clothes on because there's a real threat and he's outside your door. As soon as you open the door, he's there. He wants to get in your lunch. He wants to get in your life. He wants to wreak havoc. The enemy wants to try to control us through fear. Let me talk about the schemes or the wiles of the devil. He wants to control us through fear. He wants to control us through anxiety. He wants to control us through worry. He wants to control you through depression. He wants control. He wants us to be enslaved. He wants us to be bound in our sin, to not truly be free. The enemy wants us to be overwhelmed, but our good, good Good Father wants us to be overcoming, and he's already provided that victory for us. So regardless of the enemy's schemes, go with me to Luke chapter 10. I want us to read just one verse there, but I want to talk about it for a few minutes and give you some context. Luke chapter 10, verse 19. Jesus is speaking, let me give you some backdrop or background to this. Jesus has sent out his 12 disciples. Now he sent out a larger crowd of 70 people who are going out on a mission. So they're the first evangelists, uh, the first people that are going out to try to reach the world. If you could use today's terminology, try to evangelize or proselytize, they're going out. And when they come back, they have a conversation with Jesus. 
Verse 17 of this chapter, chapter 10 of Luke, it says this, when they returned, they came back with joy and they were filled with excitement because they saw that demons were submitted to them. Wow, Lord, even the demons submit to us in your name. Jesus says in verse 18, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Let me give you a little input for just a second. This is not Jesus. We look up. You don't, don't keep reading. Don't worry about it. We'll get there in just a second. This is not Jesus saying, oh yeah, well I saw Satan fall like light. He's, he doesn't have a chip on his shoulder or an attitude. He is declaring to them, it's already done. I've already seen. I was there. <laughs> this is good. He's alive in this moment. He, it's not his resurrected self. It's Luke chapter 10. This hasn't all happened yet. But he's telling them, I want to give you hope because I have seen this joker die, fall from the sky. He is going down. He's not going to have power anymore. So Jesus is telling them, I've got the power. Okay? So verse 19 says this. Jesus declares to the 70 people there, and I say today it applies to us as well for our benefit. He says this, Behold, I give you the authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. Jesus Christ has given this authority to us, not to the world, but to his sons and daughters, the sons and daughters of God, the people of God, the children of God have been given authority in that moment they received authority and we today as believers in the heritage of faith that we have, we have received this same guarantee that we've received authority from Christ himself that it says, I'm giving you this to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy to do what serpents and scorpions how many of you remember the wonderful tv show called fear factor how many of you ever i mean literally like you just were like oh i've got to turn the channel i can't watch this i'm telling you if nothing else it exposed me to at least see some of the stupidest people on the earth okay because i'm like if you hate scorpions why would you lay down in a pit? I watched a clip this morning. Why would you lay down in a pit and let them pour hundreds of them onto your body? Why? It boggles the mind. Serpents and scorpions, though, in Scripture, it's important for us to think in terms that are spiritual and not physical. I want to take a moment and show you something in Scripture that you may not have known or realized before. Maybe you have, but you need to be reminded. We know from history, both past and even today, I want you to hear me, even today, Christians are being killed by evil people. I believe that the spirit of Antichrist has been active in the people of, of the world for all of time since Christ has come. It's been in people like Hitler. It's been in those who today are killing those who believe the Christian faith is the only way to heaven. So in past times and in current times, evil people persecute and persecuted and killed believers. Probably even some of the 70 that are being talked to in this portion of scripture. There are disciples of Jesus who were martyred. There are those who were hung on crosses upside down, who were stoned, who were persecuted. So we have got to understand it is not a physical enemy that Paul is referring to in this place of scripture. 
or what Jesus is referring to in Luke when we're talking about this, he's talking about a spiritual dynamic. Evil spirits cannot harm us as long as we exercise the power and authority given to us in the name of Jesus Christ. Don't get the heebie-jeebies this morning. This isn't weird to talk about, okay? There's a real enemy, and he's got minions, and they're not banana yellow. They're not like happy critters. They are seeking to come into our life to devour, to steal, to kill. That's their job. And this is important for us to know because if we're talking about being overwhelmed, that this physical picture that Christ gives us has that spiritual dynamic because the finishing of his statement there after he says serpents and scorpions says, and over all the power of the enemy. Think about what serpents and scorpions represent. Both of them are venomous. Both of them could be considered dangerous and cunning in their approach. Both of them are very harmful. Scorpions, someone with the ears of the Spirit this morning will hear and understand this. Scorpions seek out and live in dry, dark places. They live under stones, in hidden places, and in ruins. Both are carnivorous. They're man-eaters. They sting. The scorpion stings anything that threatens him. I'm here to tell you today that the people of God on the earth are threatening the kingdom of the enemy. Snakes, serpents, they're ready to prey on, to strike and to devour, swallow up anything at any time. Both could be considered disastrous, destructive. They are deadly So we've got to understand, he's not saying you're going to walk and be able to get into a pit with scorpions and not be harmed. He's saying, I'm giving you the authority you need to walk in victory over all of the schemes of the enemy, no matter where he hides. Hello? Amen. If you don't believe me, think about Revelation chapter 9, and you can go there quickly. There are some grotesque creatures that are described in the book of Revelation, verse uh, chapter 9. God's word tells us that they, listen to, the, listen to the context or the train of thought that I've got going here. They are given authority to harm all who do not have the seal of God on them. One set of creatures, which is in the first chapter, uh, in the first portion of the chapter, talking about uh, being released from the pit. One set of these creatures are described as having scorpion tails. The other set of creatures in the latter part of the chapter are described as having tails like serpents. They they are in the form of horses, but the horse's tail is a serpent having a head on it, and with it, they do harm. The only protection in this moment of Revelation chapter 9 that we have against the scorpion or the serpent is that we have been sealed by God. The people of God are unharmed in these moments. Notice verse 18 where Jesus says, I saw Satan fall like lightning in the, in the previous place in Luke 10. Now look up at chapter 9, verse 1 of Revelation. It says this, The fifth angel sounded, sounded the trumpet, and I saw a star fallen from heaven to the earth. To him was given the key to the bottomless pit. It says that those 
creatures that were locust in the first part that had this body that was just strange and had the face of a man and hair like a woman and all these other weird dynamics to it. It says that with those scorpion tails, they served their king and their master who was the angel of the bottomless pit. I'm trying to tell you it's not a physical thing. The Bible says we war not against flesh and blood. You don't have an argument with your spouse alone. There's somebody else there. And I want to tell you it ought to be the Holy Spirit. Amen? But oftentimes it's not. Luke chapter 10 and Revelation chapter 9, they both demonstrate Jesus Christ is preeminent in all things. If you looked up the word superior, he is the superlative of superior. He is the most superior of all. It says in Revelation 9 that even those creatures that came on the earth and were released were given authority by who? Not their daddy, the devil. He doesn't have anything that's not been given to him. God has authority. He has authority over your life, over your circumstance, over your marriage. Turn to the one who can help. Both of these chapters, both of those passages of scripture are speaking of an evil power that's to hurt and to harm. But Christ is superior. And let me say this, we say it often, but it bears repeating until we really live according to it. Jesus Christ and Satan are not brothers. They're not equal on either side of the fence. They're not the, uh, the oriental yin and yang of darkness and light combined together of 50-50. That is not real. The enemy is the enemy. He's a created creature and no equality between him and God exists. Do you understand that? So we've got to wake up with that in our overwhelmed circumstance and realize, you know what? The devil doesn't got this. God's got this, amen? And we've got to give it to him. You've got to give it to God. One is a conqueror and the other has already been conquered. I'm glad you're shouting. You can shout louder. I'll get done quicker. It's good. But one is a conqueror and the other one is the conquered. The devil only has the authority that's given to him either by Christ or by the sons and daughters of God. The Bible says, and Paul was adamant about preaching this to the churches and telling them, don't give the enemy a foothold in your life. Don't allow him in the door. I pray that prayer for myself. Sometimes I'm good at it. Sometimes I'm not good at it. Sometimes I don't trust God enough. But I'm telling you, Scripture is our manual for life. He's given us the promise that he'll protect us. He'll guide us. He'll keep us. We will be conquerors and not conquered. Whether it's by your bank account, your marriage, your job, whatever issue it is, you don't have to be overwhelmed when you've got him on your side. But don't let the enemy come in that's why i'm telling you this morning he's real he's real he's playing tricks on us all the time he's playing tricks on people in this room even in this moment but i believe that the holy spirit is here and i know he is more powerful he is a force to be reckoned with and one day Although the enemy has already been defeated, he will be defeated for good. If you continue reading Revelation, uh, you better have some coffee and some Tylenol. It's a little bit weird. It gets a little bit strange. But I'm telling you, the enemy gets defeated. 
There are times, even if you just glance at Revelation, there are times where it looks like he's winning. Hello? But God is the one who has the final word. Listen to this connection. Romans chapter 16, verse 20. You can write it down. You can go to it. Think about this. The word in Romans chapter 16, verse 20 says this. In his closing of, of the book, he's, tell, he's giving them some final greetings. And Paul writes to the church in Rome and he says, And the God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. The God of peace. Let me tell you, you need peace in your overwhelmed circumstance. In the confusion and chaos of this life, you have got to reach out to God for peace. And this, we know that God is a God of peace. He is not a God of confusion. Amen? He is not the author of confusion. If you're confused about a circumstance in your life, turn to God. Ask the Holy Spirit to reveal to you, to help you see for what it is and walk through it in victory. This is important because we're talking about being overwhelmed. I hope you understand at this point that we have a real enemy. Not only do we have a real enemy, but there's a very real person called the Holy Spirit who has been given by God to the people of God to aid me and to assist me in this life. He's been given to you as well. And it says that Jesus has given, Jesus said it himself, that he's given us authority over the enemy. There's that spiritual dynamic of our overwhelming circumstances that happens in our life that we, we said just a moment ago that those three forces could be probable in our life, whether it's ourself, whether it's, God himself or whether it's the enemy himself. But we have got to see what the power, the real source of power is. He is known in scripture as the Holy Spirit. I'm gonna tell you some things that are based in scripture. I am, you would be dizzy, not because I did some amazing homework, but you would be dizzy this morning if I gave you the reference for all of these. If you'd like it, I can definitely provide it to you later. But I want right now, I'm gonna say a prayer. I want you to close your eyes. I, I felt this in my preparation of the message. I want you to just close your eyes for just a moment. I'm gonna say a prayer over you. It's not to close the service, but I right now, in the name of Jesus, take authority over the enemy in this place, that there would be no fear, no confusion in these next few moments, but that there would be a crystal clear understanding in every heart, in the name of Jesus, by the Spirit of God, about who the person of the Holy Spirit is. Let there be freedom today in our minds. In the name of Jesus, I pray. I say that because I, I believe that there are people in here who come from a different branch of the faith family. You may have been taught something wonky. <laughs> I don't know if that's a word. You may have been taught something wild and crazy. You, you may have been taught to be fearful of the person of the Holy Spirit. You may not have been taught about the Holy Spirit, but I wanna tell you something that's really common sense and easy. If Christ's death and his resurrection counted thousands of years ago, so did the gift of the Holy Spirit still today. It's a present day thing. And I wanna tell you, I want you to hear it today from the heart of God, not Dexter, but the heart of God, the Holy Spirit is not weird He is not weird. 
I feel like he gets his feelings hurt. He's not weird. Listen to these truths about the Holy Spirit pulled exactly out of Scripture. He can work in us and in our hearts when we are overwhelmed in ways that nothing and no one else can. You don't need a girlfriend or a brother's shoulder to cry on when you're going through something that's overwhelming. You need the power of the Holy Spirit. We need him in our life. The Bible says that he is inside all believers. I want you to get this this morning. His power is available today to all believers. He isn't weird. He is a person. We call him the Holy Spirit. We say the Holy Spirit, and it sounds kind of like an element or an item or a thing, but he's real and he's a person. He can be trusted because he is God. We talk, and I don't want to scare you with this word, but we talk and, and, and have this talk that we're Trinitarian, that we believe in the Trinity, the, whole, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. We kind of tag him on at the end, but he's part of them, all three in one. Christ was conceived by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit anointed Christ for ministry. He gave him the power he needed. And if Jesus Christ in the body of a man like me needed the power of the Holy Ghost, then I need it too. And I need it not to perform a miracle. I need it to get through a Monday. I need it to not slap somebody in the face or cut them off. I need it to not beat the mess out of my kids. I need him to help me in the conversation with my wife. We were talking yesterday, and we started talking. We were having the heated conversation. She's in the room. She can bear witness. We were having a conversation, and I said, wouldn't this be funny if we could video this like a reality show for our love and respect series that we're starting? It would be just great. But he, the Holy Spirit is with us, and he wants to be in us. When I say something stupid, I need the Holy Spirit to help me. Even if it's 10 minutes later, even if it's in that moment, I need to trust him. So he anointed Christ for ministry. He anoints us for life. He raised, the Bible says, it's the power of the Holy Spirit that raised Christ from the dead. We're born again by the Spirit. Jesus was conceived by the Spirit. And you are born again by the same Spirit. We become the children of God by the Holy Spirit. He baptizes us into the body of Christ He seals us as Christ's own, as God the Father's son and daughter. He seals us. The Bible says he sanctifies us. That means he helps me live holy. Those examples I gave you just a moment ago are issues of holiness. Holiness in my mind, holiness in my marriage, holiness in my relationships. He can help you with that. That's why we say, you are not the Holy Spirit. We don't, we don't judge people based on their appearance or based on their issues in life. We don't, base, we don't judge them based on their hangups. You better not or you're not going to be here next week. The Holy Spirit's job is the job of convicting us of sin, of revealing to my heart that I'm displeasing God for the way I'm living, in the way I'm living, whatever I'm doing. It's his job. 
And I'm not saying that because I don't want you to talk to me about it. I'm saying that so that we live as the people of the Spirit. And Paul says, if you're going to be people of the Spirit, then walk in the Spirit. Let him be with you 100% of the time. I don't want to talk about the enemy so much and we don't talk about the Holy Spirit enough. I want you to get this this morning. We're born again by the Spirit of God. We become his kids. He seals us. He sanctifies us. He enables us to live the life that Christ has provided for me. The Bible says he transforms me into the image of Christ. Yesterday in that conversation with my wife, I don't know that I looked like Jesus, but the Holy Spirit is helping me if I'll let him. This is the thing, and, and I preached on this in the first few weeks becoming the pastor of this church. You have got to give God permission to do things in your life. You can walk and daydream through this life and just humdrum, show up to church. Oh, where you go? Oh, I go to celebrate church. Okay, great. See you next Sunday. You can walk through this life alone all by yourself like that. Or you can walk in the power of the Holy Spirit that God himself has provided for you. He's provided the ability for us to live that life, to be transformed into the image of Christ. So that when people see me, they mistake me for Christ. They don't do that very often. I mean, they do sometimes, and I like to talk about those times. You do too, about the time you gave the bum some money, the time you served, the time you whatever. But are we living like that all the time? I feel like we're lacking the Holy Spirit. Here's the thing. You can have a percentage of the Holy Spirit. And I'll keep you here till two o'clock if you have to in order to get this today. I don't want to threaten you. I know you'll leave whenever you want to. But you can have a percentage of the Holy Spirit and not have the fullness of him. You could tap into him in one area of your life and yet resist him in another and say, everything else is yours, but not this. That's why we've got to give him permission. Say that word, permission, permission. The Holy Spirit strengthens us. He comforts us. He gives us gifts. He leads us. The Bible says that he gives us fruit in our life that demonstrates that we're God's kids so that we can be mistaken for Jesus. He helps us bear fruit in our life. The Bible says he baptizes us and he infills every believer. He gives us power for service. He helps me pray. The Bible says, and I mean, we could do a, we are going to in a few weeks after love and respect do a series on the Holy Spirit because I feel like we need to do that at least once a year where we talk about and develop our understanding of who he is and what he can do for us. But I wanna tell you, the Bible says he can help me pray when I don't even know what to pray. It's powerful. He gives me right now, he is giving me the power to preach his word. You can look in Acts, all the chapters throughout when the Bible is being written and the church is being formed, all of these things are happening and it says, and they preached with power, the Holy Spirit being with them. It's the Holy Spirit who will raise us up. If you didn't catch it yet, Jesus Christ was born of the Spirit. You as a child of God are born of the Spirit. The Spirit of God raised Christ from the dead and it is the Holy Spirit, the Bible says, that will raise the believers, the bodies of the believers in that last day. It's his power that gives me a foretaste of my resurrected body when he gives me healing. 
when every one of those people in scripture were suffering and Jesus' ministry, when people today, even today in America, it happens. When they're suffering and when we pray for healing, praying the prayer of faith to God above, he heals. That's him demonstrating what it's going to be like to live in a resurrected body. Because he made it, he can fix it. If you drive a Nissan, you take it to the Nissan place because they made it, they can fix it. So if you've got something in your life, bear, bear that same thought, if you've got something in your life and you can't fix it, Take it to the one who can. The Bible says that he's our teacher. He's our reminder. It says that the things you learned in Sunday school are reminded to you by the Holy Spirit of God. He's a revealer of truth. He doesn't tell a lie. He is part of the Godhead. He is part of the Trinity. He is God himself. And God is not a man that he would lie. Every promise that God has made, the Holy Spirit is helping to fulfill. He speaks to us. He's speaking to people in this room today. He encourages us. If I'm overwhelmed, if I've got issues with stress, with discouragement, with pressure, if I feel beat down, if I feel like my future is hopeless, he can encourage me. He can equip you. The Bible says he equips, he equips you to do something. Not to sit on your laurels, but to do something. He equips you. He fills you with boldness to share your faith. You feel weird about sharing your faith? We just had a a guest in a few weeks ago that helped us ignite a passion in some of us to be able to speak the truth about God and what he's done in our life with others. Sometimes we get to the place where we feel like it's weird, but it's not if the Holy Spirit will help you. He brings joy. He brings joy. Even in the midst of pain, he can bring joy. The Bible says he brings freedom that is purchased by Christ himself. He brings freedom to the believer and he can make us free and not just kind of free, but truly free and free indeed. He helps us to obey and he provides us with access to the Father. That's just some of the things in scripture that are said about the Holy Spirit. He's not dead He didn't disappear. He didn't vanish. Jesus' words, listen to what he says. John chapter 14, if you want to go there with me, you can. Verse 14, uh, uh, chapter 14, verse 15 through 18. For those of you that might feel it's a little warm in here and you're thinking, man, you're not shouting loud enough to keep me awake. I'm almost done. If if, If verse 15, this is Jesus' words, he says this, if you love me, keep my commandments. And I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper, that he may abide with you forever. Say that word, forever. Forever. Verse 17, Jesus himself calls the Holy Spirit the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you do. You know him. All of these are capital H's. You know him, for he dwells with you, and he will be in you. Listen to the love of God in verse 18. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Jesus' work on the cross, on, on the cross can only 
be realized in our life through the work of the Holy Spirit. It's the Spirit of God that draws us to salvation, that gets us to the place of repentance, that convicts us of sin, that empowers us us to live the transformed life. It's God's Spirit. Acts, the book of Acts, details what happened when the Holy Spirit was poured out on the early church. In Acts chapter 19, I wanna read to you just a few verses. It says this, of the Holy Spirit. And it happened while Apollos was at Corinth that Paul, having passed through the upper regions geographically, he came to the city of Ephesus. And finding some disciples, meaning those who were following the way of Christ, in verse two of chapter 19 of Acts, he says to them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? So they said to him, we have not so much as heard whether there is a Holy Spirit. They're like, we heard about Jesus, we know what he's done, but we we don't know what you're talking about. Verse six, it says that Paul laid his hands on them and the Holy Spirit came upon them and they spoke with tongues and they prophesied. He's not weird. That's not weird. For you to be living and walking in the Spirit is not weird. You may think talking about tongues or prophesying or having the Spirit of God in you, you know, leading you to say something may sound a little bit weird, but I I really encourage you to dig deep into the Word of God. It's a powerful thing that God says, I want your tongue. It's the rudder of your life. I want to be in every part of you, including your speech. I want you to be able to have a dialogue. The Bible says what I referenced earlier about the Holy Spirit praying through me when I don't know what to say. He can because he knows the will of God. And I don't sometimes. I I know his word. I, I can look up his word about a situation or a circumstance, but I don't know in my life every aspect of the will of God. I may only know the next step, but the Holy Spirit knows the trajectory. He knows the path I'm on. He knows where I'm going, and he knows how to help me to get there. In a few weeks, I'm gonna preach more in depth on the Holy Spirit, but you don't have to wait till then to have him. We here are an Assemblies of God church, I don't use the word Pentecostal around here because it has connotations that are devastating in some areas. We do not believe in the certain aspects of what would be considered United Pentecostal Church belief and doctrine. We we sit with them as brothers that we believe will go to heaven and be neighbors, but at the same time, we do not harp on the small things and the little things. We believe, though, if we ask the question, is the Holy Spirit real? yes. Is he charismatic in the way he demonstrates his power? Absolutely. Is he Pentecostal? Yeah, you can do a word study. The feast of Pentecost is when he arrived. Are we Pentecostal? Yes, we are spirit-filled and spirit-empowered believers. And you can be that way today. Whatever your theology may have been, whatever your doctrine may have been from whatever branch of the faith family tree, because we're part of it, whatever it has been and said about the Holy Spirit, I want you to know this. He's real and he wants to walk with you. Would you trust him today? If I had to ask you the question that I feel the Holy Spirit gave me today, I would ask you this question that Paul asked those disciples. Have you or did you receive the Holy Spirit 
We believe as an Assemblies of God church aligned with their doctrine, it is a separate experience. The Holy Spirit leads me to salvation, but there is more to life than just that. And this is what I wanna tell you this morning. He wants to be with you and in you on a daily basis. He wants to baptize you and give you passion and drive and the ability to live for God. Stand with me today. This is what God wants for you. You may be, you may answer like the disciples did in this moment. We've not heard, I haven't heard about the Holy Spirit like this. All I've heard is weird. Uh, You know, he takes my tongue and starts using it. There's some people shaking, you know, and dancing and falling down. And a lot of weird stuff has been blamed on God. Come on, somebody, are you, uh, yes? Okay, a lot of weird stuff has been blamed on God. But I'm telling you, the Holy Spirit is here today and he's not weird. He wants your life. He wants to walk with you rather than let you be overcome by the enemy. He wants you to be an overcomer. The missing person that I was speaking about today, the Holy Spirit, he's missing in our life and our circumstance when we are overwhelmed. Would you close your eyes? I want to ask you that. We pray a prayer at the end of our services and we've made a habit of this. Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me today? Because we believe he's real. And I believe right now when you pray that prayer with a genuine heart, the Holy Spirit will speak just like that to you. Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me today? Do I need more of you? Am I running out of you? Do I need to come to you for the first time? Do I need a baptism of the Holy Spirit that I've not yet experienced? Whatever it may be, I want him to to speak to you in this moment. So just let him speak to you.